Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your discipleship in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me outside of the studio today, because we are social distancing and in our own separate quarters, is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Coming to you from from home. The yeah, home office, bit. the home command center. Yes. I hope everyone is healthy and well. You can catch the Bridge Builder program each week right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. But if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, just visit us at mncatholic.org slash podcast. And you can also find the Bridge Builder podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As you perhaps are sitting at home right now, it's a great time to catch up on our past uh, podcasts, and we've got some good ones. And, of course, a good episode today. Remember that you or your company can sponsor the Bridge Builder Show. This week's sponsor is the St. Joseph Business Guild. Individuals and businesses can become a member of the Guild, which helps build up Catholic families, businesses, and communities by connecting employers with job seekers. And how timely of a ministry is the St. Joseph Business Guild, as so many, unfortunately, are filing for unemployment, are out of work, and are going to be looking for work. The, the Guild is a great way to provide mentorship opportunities and connect employers and folks seeking work. You can find out more about St. Joseph Business Guild by visiting them online at sjbusinessguild.com. Again, that's sj businessguild.com. Each week in the Bridge Builder Show, we bring you some great interviews on timely topics impacting how we live our faith in the public life, and we, of course, answer your questions in our mailbag segment. You can always email those to us at show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on social media. It wouldn't be the Bridge Builder if we didn't bring you some practical ways that you can start laying the bricks that build the common good in public life. In today's episode, as we continue our Catholics at the Capitol feature, uh, highlighting uh, some really good people who are Catholic and who work at the Capitol in various capacities. Today, we're going to be speaking with Emily Piper, who's both worked at the Capitol as a public official, but also as an ad is now serving as an advocate for individuals, families, and communities affected by substance abuse. In our mailbag segment, we're covering a question about financial assistance for Minnesota's poorest families in this time of economic uncertainty. And stick around for our bricklayer segment to find out how you can be better connected with your legislators. Today, we're speaking with Emily Piper. She's Executive Director for Government Relations and Contracting at the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation. The foundation provides hope and healing for individuals, families, and communities affected by addiction to alcohol and other drugs. She has a very impressive background, having served as the former commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Human Services, but also as deputy commissioner at the Department of Commerce, and formerly served as deputy chief of staff and legal counsel to former governor Mark Dayton. Emily's leadership in healthcare has been sought and recognized in Minnesota and, and nationally. She's a graduate of St. Thomas, uh, both as an undergrad and the law school. And again, we're featuring her today as part of our ongoing series, Catholics at the Capitol, folks who are working to defend human dignity and the common good. Emily, welcome to the Bridge Builder Program. Thanks for having me. Oh, what a delight. We're so uh, thankful you joined us today. Tell us more about the work of Hazelden Betty Ford and your role there. Well, Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation is the largest nonprofit substance use treatment provider in the country, and we're headquartered in Minnesota, but we serve people from all across the United States and, and internationally. Um, 
providing them treatment and recovery resources for um, addiction as well as co-occurring mental health conditions. And in my role, I um, oversee all of the government relations across the whole country before Congress in state legislatures like in Minnesota doing advocacy, trying to advance the work and the mission of the organization on behalf of the millions of people who suffer from substance use disorders. So the organization really focuses on treatment and recovery, but it also, as you've said, uh, gets into advocacy as well. Why does a nonprofit and uh, an organization that's focusing on rehab and serving people in a very concrete way, why does it choose to also engage in advocacy as well? How does that complement its uh, focus and its mission? Well, community advocacy is instrumental in, in driving not only the mission of the organization, but also the necessary um, public opinion and making sure the public is aware of um, the issues people face as well as the promise of recovery. And so government is a key partner in delivering that message and providing the services, the resources for people to seek help to um, prevent substance use disorders, especially in kids and youth across the country. And government is also a key resource in ensuring that we have recovery tools for people that as they um, recover from their addiction, that they have the support in communities necessary to ensure that they um, continue to recover uh, from their addiction. What, Emily, what are some key advocacy priorities right now for Hazelden? Well, a huge advocacy priority for us is um, ensuring that people can continue to receive treatment, even though in a lot of states they are sheltering at home. Oftentimes, people can't go to their clinics, they can't access their providers. And so Hazel and Betty Ford has been working across the country to shift all of our outpatient treatment services to telemedicine. And so I've been doing a lot of work on behalf of the foundation to ensure that state regulations, state rules, federal rules can accommodate telemedicine being delivered so that people can get the care that they need during a time of crisis, unprecedented crisis in their lives where some of the risk factors are so great for people's substance use. Say more about that, Emily. Is there a particular concern that uh, during shelter at home, lockdowns, rising unemployment, that uh, substance abuse is going to increase? And, and how will Hazelden respond to that? Yeah, all of that and isolation is a key risk factor for substance use and people are experiencing that, as you say, layered on top of unemployment, stressors of having to um, school their children while still working or looking for work. Um, we also have seen significant rises in alcohol purchases. Spiking last month, for example, alcohol purchases across the country rising 55%. And so we know that the treatment services and um, recovery services are really crucial all the time, but especially in times like this where people are really suffering in so many ways. We want to um, be there for them um, as they you know, experience substance use challenges and as they try and recover from those challenges. 
What do you think uh, Catholics should know about uh, helping those uh, who are experiencing substance abuse difficulties? What are some good ways to reach out and intervene and, and be more proactive in getting people the help they speak? I think oftentimes mental illness, substance abuse, these are sort of taboo topics, and everyone puts a veneer of everything going well in their life, but people are really struggling and hurting. So how can people practically assist those who might be struggling with substance abuse? Well, I think there are a lot of really great resources out there for um, for people. I think one of the resources we have is a family program, just ensuring that families feel supported, that they're not alone in this. Um, substance use disorder is a real public health crisis. And as you say, families and um, individuals don't want to talk about it. They feel very isolated. They feel very alone. It is extraordinarily common. And having community um, and having that capacity to reach out and appreciate that people aren't their addiction and um, people aren't their um, challenges, that they can see through the promise of recovery, through communities, that people heal and recover from substance use disorders all the time. And I think that's really important as Catholics for us to remember that um, when we are experiencing a loved one who's in active addiction, that we always remember um, the promise of recovery, the, the, um, that they are the human being they are, they are not their addiction. And um, appreciating that and recognizing that in the moments of crisis that families face. Emily, right now, if we weren't dealing with COVID-19 at the Capitol, one of the big legislative topics would be the legalization of recreational marijuana. Like the Minnesota Catholic Conference, Hazelden opposes legalization. Why is, it that that, why is that the case, and how does Hazelden approach that issue? Well, we're really concerned on a, on a few fronts. Um, one is we don't, we don't think that additional normalization of marijuana is good for people, it's good for families, it's good for communities. We're seeing a lot of the consequences in the states that we're in where it is already legal in Colorado, in California, in Washington state. We're seeing it not being good for people and especially not being good for kids. And we in Minnesota run a national youth program um, where kids from all over the country, ages 12 to 26, come for treatment. And I think about 87% of the kids and youth that come to our program present with a marijuana use disorder. Several, several of them, a couple dozen of them every year present in active psychosis as a result of marijuana use. And so we, we strongly oppose it on the basis that it's not good for people. We also oppose it specifically because we think it's really not good for kids. Emily, switching gears a little bit, talking a little bit about the vocation of public service, certainly one you're living, a, a vocation, one might say, within a vocation, and one that runs in your family. Uh, why have you chosen to be involved in politics and public service, uh, both as an official and now on the advocacy side? And why do you think public service, including service in elected office, is an important role? Well, I, I started out, and I'm a, I'm a product of, you know, Catholic school through and through, from preschool to all the way through law school, as you said. And I think it, Catholic school in particular really instilled in me the value 
of public service, um, as, as, as did my family, um, as you said, my family legacy of service. Um, you know, it's important to do, to do right for your community, to find the ways that you can drive change for the betterment of people in whatever path that, that can take you. And, and I joined the Dayton administration in 2011 because I felt very strongly that I could do more for our community being part of state government um, and state leadership than I was when I was working in private practice as a lawyer. And I felt it was my responsibility to my family, to my community, and to the whole state to do what I could to make uh, Minnesota a better place to live. And I, and I feel like that um, has guided me through um, my career, even following state service, is the question of um, how can I do the best um, and do the most good in the work that I'm, that I'm um, advancing and um, oftentimes that is in government. Sometimes it can be um, outside of government as I'm doing now, but trying to find how, you know, how to drive that work going forward um, is really been a core, a core um, North Star for me. Uh, Emily, I think some Catholics, they, you know, get most of their political news from the television and might not be engaged in a a concrete way or following things that happen at the capital, our, our capital in St. Paul. What would you say to a Catholic who's not inclined to get involved outside of, you know, watching the news or be more active in politics because they think it's kind of a dirty business or it's full of partisanship or just not something that they want to be a part of? What would you say to them as a response? The vast majority of people involved in politics and elected positions and appointed positions are there for all the right reasons because they want to better our community and they might approach it different ways and take different um, views on various issues, but it, it is highly uh, irregular for it to be with anything other than the best interests of their community and our community at heart. And, and I would say to every Catholic, it impacts you. You should care. You should be engaged and you should be part of the solution because um, your voices are what shapes our government, what shapes our government's priorities. And, and so it's extraordinarily important that Catholic voices across the country and in Minnesota are heard at our capital and capitals elsewhere. We try to help Catholics get started and break down some of the barriers to participation that they might either perceive or might actually be there. And one of them is to focus on local politics, especially as a place where uh, it's an easier entry, lower, lower barriers to entry, one might say, and they might have actually more knowledge that's relevant to those deliberations. But what would you say to a Catholic who's looking to live their discipleship in the public arena in more specific and concrete ways? Where can they get started? Well, I got started by joining my neighborhood um, community um, parks commission because I cared a lot about um, nature and I cared a lot about ensuring that our kids and our communities had safe, healthy places um, to live, to socialize, uh, for our kids to play. And oftentimes that is a no barrier um, opportunity to make a really big difference for your community. Um, and so I'd encourage everybody to reach out to their local city, to look on the city website, to see what um, boards and commission spots are available that they would be interested in, that they can bring their gifts and talents to, because um, city officials across the 
um, state rely really heavily on citizen advisory boards to influence and um, help support their decision making as they are making really serious, significant decisions about um, our communities and on issues that really directly impact us, like park funding or garbage and recycling services or road improvements. And so it's a um, that's how I did it. And, and I think it helped me a lot try and understand more about how government works on the ground level. Now that you're on the advocacy side, what are, what are a couple things or a couple pieces of advice you'd have for Catholics uh, who are advocating and, and trying to be good advocates? What are two effective or you think they're the two most important bits of advice that you can give a prospective advocate? I'd say meet people where they are when you can and try and find a way to work with them, setting aside any differences that, that you have with them. And, and that you perceive to have with whatever their opinions are on public policy issues. The other piece of advice I would give is assume the best intentions with the people that you're engaging with, regardless of where you agree and disagree with them on um, political issues, particularly political hot button issues. Yeah, and approach it with a presumption of goodwill and, and never presume because someone's got an R or a D next to their name that they're either going to agree or disagree with you, right? Have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Emily, you, said, you mentioned Catholic schools and the important role they played in your formation. How would you say that faith helps you in your work in as a, both a, formally as a commissioner and executive in state government, but also now as an advocate? Well, I would say, um, you know, in, in a couple really broad ways. One is um, is the is the um, the safety and the guidance um, that your faith provides that, that you know in really significant moments that you're not completely alone in how you're making a decision, the decision that you're making, um, that you know that God is there over, over you, watching over you, guiding you in the work that you're doing. And so oftentimes when you're in really um, difficult positions, making extraordinarily hard decisions, having that um, knowledge and that faith really provides comfort and support when you need it, when you would otherwise feel completely alone. Emily, you're particularly passionate about the importance of Catholic education. Beyond simply the, the education and the formation that students receive, what role do you see Catholic schools playing in the broader community? How are they uh, community anchors or important resources in their communities? Well, I think that Catholic schools are a, a piece of the education system that everybody relies on, that nobody thinks about the fact that they rely on. Um, Catholic schools, in particular in low-income areas, I'm from North Minneapolis, Ascension School in North Minneapolis provides a community resource to families in need that would otherwise be unserved by the edu- or underserved by the education system. And so... Catholic schools not only help support Catholic families, but help support education as a whole across the state, whether or not it's on the front of um, public policymakers' minds at any given time that that is the case. 
We've had the pleasure of speaking with Emily Piper. She is Executive Director for Government Relations and Contracting at Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation, a former commissioner of the state's Department of Human Services. Emily, where can our listeners go to learn more about Hazelden Betty Ford and its important work combating substance abuse? We have a great website. It's hazeldenbettyford.org. And not only is there information about treatment, uh, there's also um, really significant resources, including apps that we have been made, uh, making available free during the pandemic around meditations and other support services for anybody who wants them. They can go to our website and download them. And, of course, um, treatment resources as well as prevention. Emily Piper, thanks so much for being on the Bridge Builder today. God bless you, and God bless the good work of Hazelden Betty Ford. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. The St. Joseph Business Guild supporting Catholic families by connecting Catholic business owners to workers and customers. By joining the St. Joseph Business Guild, you'll be able to connect with all our members, access our pages for job postings, job seekers, mentors, and an online business directory. We also host retreats, lectures, liturgies, and networking events. The St. Joseph Business Guild is your chance to network with other Catholics, start a business, find a better job, find employees, find or become a mentor. Join the St. Joseph Business Guild to help build a Catholic community that helps one another. Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to delve into our mailbag to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. Kit, what have you got for today's mailbag? Yeah, so recently the Minnesota Catholic Conference had asked members of our Catholic Advocacy Network to contact their state legislators with regard to providing a one-time emergency payment to parents who are part of the Minnesota Family Investment Program, known as MFIS. It's as part of the state's overall COVID-19 relief funding. So, Jason, could you maybe explain for our listeners what is the MFIP program and why are these families in need of this sort of one-time emergency funding and how might listeners be able to help? So the Minnesota Family Investment Program is our uh, most important uh, anti-poverty program for families with children, um, and it uh, really combats uh, poverty and tries to provide a ladder out of poverty for our uh, state's poorest families. And so we were fortunate after many years of work that that program received a $100 per month cash grant increased as a result of last year's legislative session in 2019, but we're looking at uh, this COVID-19 crisis, and as people are receiving 
stimulus checks and other assistance. We think that uh, especially the state uh, can step in and also provide our state's poorest families uh, more assistance uh, to provide uh, those basic expenses and cover those basic expenses they need, like diapers, transportation, uh, some of the expenses that pop up in emergency, but most importantly, food covering any rent. Uh, some of those wor- families may not, might not receive certain forms of unemployment assistance, for example, uh, that are offered to others because they don't fall within the guidelines for receiving it. They haven't been in a particular workplace long enough. So to ensure that our state's poorest families aren't falling through the cracks and receive the assistance they need, we've asked legislators to provide a one-time $500 cash grant to MVIP families. So that's what the preferential option for the poor means is uh, as we look at how to allocate resources, we make sure to put the poor and the vulnerable very first in our decisions and give them first claim on our state's resources. Everyone's hurting. Everyone is having challenges related to COVID-19, but we still, even in these times of crisis, need to prioritize the well-being of the poor and vulnerable. Wonderful. Thanks for kind of explaining a little bit more on that program and we would just encourage listeners, reach out to your legislators, know that, let them know that this is important to you. And because we're always talking about ways to start building bridges between our faith and public life and how you can become a better disciple, even in politics, um, it really wouldn't be the Bridge Builder Show if we didn't give you some practical ways to start building those bridges, one brick at a time. So, Jason, what have we got in this week's Bricklayer segment? Well, Kit, let me highlight first um, on the MFIP issue is that uh, as of this recording, that has been a major topic of discussion among legislators. What's going on at the Capitol is that unless there's bipartisan consensus on pieces of legislation that are COVID-19 responsive, then something doesn't get through. So it's uh, this issue has been integral to the discussions. It hasn't quite gotten done yet, so it's really important that Catholics uh, bring their voice to the Capitol and contact their legislators. Easiest way to do that is by joining the Catholic Advocacy Network, signing up for our updates. Um, It also helps you identify who your legislator is. You might not know, and many, many times um, when I go out and give speeches or talks, uh, I ask uh, just uh, anecdotally who knows the names of both our state legislators, and very few people can actually do it. And if we don't know who our legislators are, um, or who are making their laws, we can't expect them to be good laws because we need to be in relationship with them. And even though we're in a time of social distancing, even legislators are meeting remotely, it's creating new opportunities for communication, whether that's through social media, but also legislators doing electronic town halls and Zoom meetings. Um, And a great way to find out about those is, again, uh, sign up for the Catholic Advocacy Network, identify uh, also, who represents you, and then sign up for your legislator's emails as well. And your legislator will send you emails and let you know when he or she is going to be doing town halls or electronic ways or providing ways that you can communicate with them about really key and important issues. And again, they're v- actually very accessible right now because uh, they're not their days aren't taking up with all kinds of other in-person meetings that might be happening. And the issues are really, really important. So, again, go to the Catholic Advocacy Network. Um, sign up for that through our website, mncatholic.org. You can also identify who represents you and uh, sign up for both the emails from your legislators, but also when you sign up for the Catholic Advocacy Network, we send you emails as well from the Minnesota Catholic Conference about timely issues that are impacting human dignity and the common good. We provide you with 
template email that you can use, but also personalize and start that relationship with your legislator. Again, like Emily Piper was saying earlier in our show, we got to presume goodwill. Um, most legislators are there for the right reasons. We shouldn't assume because someone has a D or an R next to their name that uh, they've got a, a, an unshakable or unmovable opinion on a particular issue, and that relationship starts with a good conversation. So again, first step, go to the Catholic Advocacy Network at MN catholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org. That's all the time we have for today. A big thank you to our show sponsor, the St. Joseph Business Guild, which helps uh, connect employers and job seekers. This is particularly important in this time of high unemployment, uh, connecting uh, guild members who are both employers but also workers and, and building relationships and building bridges between prospective employers and employees. They're looking for mentors um, as well, for people who can mentor young folks who are starting out in the professional world looking for employment opportunities. Again, find out more about the important work of the St. Joseph Business Guild by visiting them online at sjbusinessguild.com. Again, that's sjbusinessguild.com. Remember, you or your organization can become a sponsor of The Bridge Builder. Contact our producer, Kit Cross, via email at show at mncatholic.org for sponsorship opportunities. Listeners, you can also be part of our mailbag segment. Just send any of your questions or comments to show at mncatholic.org. Again, that's show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Then tune in next week to find out if we include your question or comment. Remember, you can catch up on any past episodes online at mncatholic.org slash podcast. Again, that's mncatholic.org slash podcast, or search for the Bridge Builder Podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as SoundCloud or Stitcher. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week at this time with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Atkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and with our producer, Kit Cross, we wish you a very safe and blessed day. Take care out there. God bless.